0: Now, I think we've got our sound levels right, so could you turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 15, please? I'll read verses 1 to 7, 2 Chronicles 15 and verses 1 to 7. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, "Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek Him, he will be found of you. but if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season, Israel had been without the true God and without a, pre- a teaching priest and without law. But when they and their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. A nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with adversity. Be ye strong therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. When we come to 2 Chronicles chapter 15, <clears throat> we find Asa be, had become strong, he'd become strong spiritually and he had become uh, strong as Judah's king, sp- strong spiritually and strong in his reign. Um, he'd done that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and because that Lord, the Lord had given him, uh, given Judah rest for 10 years, that's right at the beginning of chapter 14. Uh, During that 10 years, he wisely built a formidable army. Uh, He also built up the walls and the towers of the major towns to improve the defences in an attack. Um, It was after that 10-year period that Judah was attacked by the armies of Zerah the Ethiopian. He had an army of 1 million soldiers and 300,000 chariots. But as we learned, Asa's smaller army was able to defeat this great force by trusting In the Lord. Asa prayed that memorable prayer, didn't he, just before the battle. Chapter 14, verses eleven and twelve. And Asa cried unto the Lord, God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let no man prevail against these memorable words. But it did show the heart of Asa, trusting in the Lord. When the Lord gave Asa's army the victory over that multitude, uh, new territory was taken for Judah in the south and there was much spoil taken for the soldiers to take home. So by his wise and godly leadership, Asa had made Judah strong and prosperous So that's the state Asa and Judah were in when we come to chapter 15. And it's my view that what we read here happened probably five years after the battle against Zerah. It didn't happen on the way back from the battle, but sometimes, considerable time after that battle. Sometime, somewhere, Asa received a visit from a prophet who clearly had a message from God. And we know that it was a message from God because it says so. And so in verses 1 to 7, we have what I've called the prophet's message. Verse 1, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. We read here that the Spirit of God was the one who had the message for Asa. He came upon Azariah and he gave him a message to give Asa. Now, this is the only mention of this prophet in the Bible. We know nothing about him except his father's name was Oded. He's a sort of an unknown prophet. But he was faithful in his mission and he went out to meet the king and to give the king the message that God told him to give. Now, this would have required some courage because Asa was the king and kings didn't always like to be told, did they? Well, he took encouraged, he went and found Asa and he delivered this message. The message Azariah had to deliver was was simple and it was general in nature. And it's a message that is repeated over and over again in the Bible. Read read verse 2 again. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, that's the southern kingdom, the Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Very simple message that is repeated in many verses right through the scriptures. Now this verse clearly teaches us that in our walk with God, the onus is on us to either seek him or forsake him. The onus is on us. If we choose to follow him, he will be with us. If we choose to forsake him, he will forsake us. So if God seems distant to you, then don't blame him because he's not the one that's moved. If he seems distant from you, it's probably because you have moved and therefore he has forsaken you. And so that was a very clear and simple message that the prophet had to give to Asa. Now, in verses 3 to 5, the prophet then, in the message, in his prophecy, referred to a time when Israel had been without the true God for a long period of time. Uh, during that period, they had been without a teaching priest and without law. They were basically lawless in this period of time. Let me read these verses again. This is a part of the prophecy. Now, for a long season, Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. And, but when they and their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the country. So, what is this long season that Israel had been without the true God? Now, I want you to notice in verse 3 it gives a bit of a clue that the, the words hath been are in italics. They are in my Bible at least. They're in italics. Um, and they are, this shows us that the translators have inserted these words themselves. Now the, they did that because in Hebrew there isn't a verb in this verse. And so they inserted this verb hath been. And so because God didn't insert a verb, this could well be referring to something sometime in the simple past. Hath been makes it sound as if it was something that was still in the present. It hath been, and it makes it sound like it still is um, this long, in this long season without the true God. But if we replace hath been with was, simple, the word was, past tense, it puts this statement in the simple past. And it would then read like this. Now for a long season, Israel was without the true God. Now, that would fit with the verbs in the verses that follow. In verse 4 it says, But when they in their trouble did turn, past tense, unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, past tense, he was found of them, past tense. All the tenses of those verbs in verse 4, talking about this same period of time, were all in the past. Verse 5, And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the country. So, again, past tense for all of the verbs in this verse. Verse 6 And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. So, it's clear that Azariah's prophecy reminded Asa of a certain time that was now in the past. It wasn't a current time, it was a long season. It was a a duration for many days. The word season there is the word yom, uh, which is the word Hebrew word for day. So it was for many days. Now, as you can imagine, there's a great deal of disagreement about which period Azariah was referring to. Some thinks it was in the past, some think it was in the present, some think even was in the future. But if you take what all these verses are saying, all the content of the verses, and put them all in the past tense, They seem to me to point to the time of the judges. What he says here about uh, being without the true God, without a teaching priest, without law, um, God punishing them for that, but then them turning to the Lord and then God vexing the nations who troubled them all seems to me like the period of the judges. So let's go back to Judges chapter 2 and see if this sounds like the period that Ezra was talking about Judges chapter 2. So, Judges chapter 2, verse 7. I'm not going to read all the chapter, but you could and probably even give a better picture. But we read there. Verse 7, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord and that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died being 110 years old. So they served the Lord as long as Joshua was alive and the elders who served with him. Then have a look in verse 10. And also all the generation that were gathered unto their fathers Also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which the Lord had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, that's Jehovah, and served Baal and Ashtoreth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of the spoils that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of the enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said. And as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. But then we read about the times when they turned to the Lord in their distress, verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of, of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge, for it repented the Lord because of their groanings, by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. I think I don't need to read any more. You know the story of the judges. But what we read there seems to fit more closely with what we found in back there in Second Chronicles chapter, chapter 15. Um, what the, the period of time that the Azariah the prophet was describing to Asa. Now that period of the judges was indeed a long season. It was over 400 years long, the time of the judges, and it perfectly fitted with the long season of Azariah's prophecy. Now if you think, now start with where Asa is in history, he's only about the fourth or fifth king of Israel. Since the days of David... And the early kings, Israel did have a temple of the true God. So in his day, in the days of the kings, and certainly since David, they did have a temple to the true God. And they did have priests in the line of Aaron and the law of Moses. So this couldn't fit with the, the, the long season. Uh, this couldn't be a part of the long season of Azariah's prophecy. They had a temple to the true God. They had priests in the line of Aaron and they had the law of Moses. But even then, even then, since those days of the judges, and even in, during the times of the kings, there were some concerns for the Lord. The monarchy, when, when Asa came to the throne, the monarchy wasn't that old in Israel. And, and, and there had been some, some severe blips. <laughs> Ten of the tribes of Israel followed after Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, And ever since they had done that, they had worshipped idols, and they had a false priesthood, and they had no law. But even the kings of Judah, who who seemed to have followed the Lord, they struggled, especially when they became successful. We know the story. We know what happened to Solomon when he grew rich and when he grew comfortable. Have a look in 1 Kings. We know the story, but let's just be reminded of it. 1 Kings chapter 11. And verses 1 to 9, 1 Kings chapter 11. We know this is at the end of Solomon's reign, The King Solomon loved many strange women, together with, and that means foreign, foreign women, they weren't Jewish people. Um, Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go in to them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then Solomon built an high place for Chemosh the abomination of Moab in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise he did for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed under their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. And so when Solomon had grown rich, when he had grown comfortable, his heart was turned against the law the Lord and against the law of God but then there was Solomon's son Rehoboam let's quickly go over to 2nd Chronicles 12 2 Chronicles 12 we see a similar pattern in Rehoboam's life Rehoboam was Asa's grandfather 2nd Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 1 and it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord, and all Israel with him. When he was strong, then he forsook the law of the Lord, and all Israel with him. Have a look in verse 14. And he did evil, because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. These kings had failed. These were the kings and the In the the line of David, these were the kings who had had the temple, who had the proper Aaronic priesthood. These were the kings that had the law of the Lord. But when they became strong and rich and comfortable, they had failed to remain true to the Lord. They'd failed to remain true to the Lord in the good times. And because of that, Judah had suffered under their rule. And when we get to 2 Chronicles 15, now Asa. King Asa, had made Judah strong once more. Because of his godly heart, he'd had 10 years of peace, which he'd used wisely to build the army and strengthen his defences. He, he then had that amazing victory, over one million strong Ethiopian army. He'd won new territory for his kingdom and he'd taken lots of spoil for the people. He was strong and comfortable and uh, still had, I believe, another five years of peace to grow even stronger after that victory and uh, on the basis of the the spoils that he had won, uh, he had in the territory that he'd won, he had after had five years to get even stronger still. So how did success sit with Asa? That's the question. Would he go the way of Solomon, chase other gods? Or would he go the way of Rehoboam, Rehoboam and forsake the law of God? After all his success, would he still seek the Lord? So Azariah, I think, was sent to remind Asa from the testimony of the long season of the judges what would happen to him if he forsook the Lord. If he forsook the Lord, the Lord would forsake him and all that success would be diminished and go and Judah would again be in trouble. But he also gave the history of the the judges, that time of the judges, to remind them that in those days when Israel turned to the Lord, they turned to the Lord, the Lord vexed the nations that had troubled Israel. So if he turns Uh, away from the Lord he forsakes the Lord the Lord will forsake him and there'll be trouble but if he seeks the Lord as these people did uh, in the time of the judges when they turned to the Lord the Lord took up their cause and vexed the nations around about them Azariah was sent to remind Asa from the testimony of the long season of the judges what would happen if he forsook the Lord or if he sought the Lord One commentator wrote this, Asa and his people were not to presume upon their privilege. Its continuance was altogether dependent upon their continual obedience. If they fell into sin, the rewards of their former loyalty would vanish like fairy gold. He was a very successful king, had a tremendous start. He was strong, he was comfortable, just like Solomon and Rehoboam. How would success fit with him? And so God sends this prophet to give this message. The message was for Asa to remember that the peace and prosperity enjoyed was from the Lord. So if you want the Lord to be with you, seek the Lord. If you want the Lord to be found of you, seek the Lord. The prophecy, though, ended with an exhortation. After having shared that, you know, that saying there about seeking the Lord and forsaking the Lord, after then sharing the the testimony of what had happened during the time of the judges that long season, he then gave uh, Asa a very specific exhortation: "Be strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded." The prophet exhorted the king to finish off his prophecy. He exhorted the king to be strong and not weak. And if he was strong, his work would be rewarded. Now the question is, what work was he talking about? Hadn't Asa already um, worked for the Lord? Hadn't he already seen the reward for his working for the Lord? I mean, right at the start of his rain he'd sought the Lord and did God's work. Have a look there back there in chapter 14 verse 3 uh, he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves and so he'd sought the Lord and did God's work in taking away the idols in in Judah. Uh, he built up the walls of the cities of Judah. Have a look in verse 7 of chapter 14. Therefore he said unto Judah, let us build these walls and make, the, make about them walls and towers, gates and bars, while the land is yet before us. And so he did that work to strengthen the defences of Judah. And then he built up that magnificent army in verse 8. And Asa had an army of men that bear targets and spears. Out of Judah, 300,000. And out of Benjamin that bear shields and drew bows, 200. And fourscore thousand, soldiers in his army he'd done that work in that time of peace and then he'd given judah victory over the ethiopians to make them strong verse 12 so the lord smote the ethiopians before asia and before judah and the ethiopians fled so what further work would god have asa to do well, this is the prophet's message, first point. Second point, the reason for the prophet's message and the work that he had to do for the Lord, if he would seek the Lord, was because there was a national declension, a decline, a spiritual decline in Judah. Over the years of peace that God had given Asa, and after the victory of Jude over Judah's enemies, There had been a spiritual decline in Judah for, and for at least two reasons. The first reason is what I've called the time lapse. Uh, Have a look um, in chapter fourteen, verses one and two again. So Abijah Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asri's son reigned in his stead. In the days the land had, ten, was quiet ten years. So here we read of the 10 years of peace God gave Asa because he'd sought the Lord. And so he comes to the throne. There's 10 years. Now, at the end of that 10 years, that's when the peace ended with the invasion of the Ethiopians. Now, when we get to chapter 15, another five years has happened. There's the 10 years of peace. Then there's the the war against the Ethiopians. But there's another five years after that. Five years had elapsed. Have a look in chapter 15, verse 10. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. And so we see there's five years. There's the 10 years we spoke about, 10 years of peace. Then the, the, uh, the battle against the Ethiopians. And then there's another five years that, uh, until we get to this verse in chapter 15. We read here the 15th year of Asa's reign. It occurred, I believe, just after Azariah's prophecy. So five years had elapsed since the first decade of peace. During that time, Asa had won cities. But if you think about it, the cities that he won, he won against either um, Philistines or he won against uh, Israel. They were cities where idolatry was practised. And so now these cities that where idolatry was practiced, they now were a part of his kingdom of Judah. Not only that, many in the northern kingdom had migrated to Judah in hope of a better life. <clears throat> and so the first reason that this decline, the spiritual decline, had happened was because of the time-lapse. There are five years for these things to happen after he'd first eradicated idols from Judah. The second reason has to do with religious, what I've called the religious refugees. Because Judah was so prosperous under Asa, and not so prosperous in Israel, the northern kingdom, many crossed the border. Have a look in verse 9, chapter 15, verse 9. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers or foreigners with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, for they fell unto him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord God, the Lord his God, was with him. These people here, the people from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon, they are, they are tribal areas of the northern kingdom. In fact, they're close on the border of Benjamin. <coughs> These people from the three other tribes in the northern kingdom fell out under Israel in the words it says, in abundance. There were a lot of them. They were just pouring over the border uh, of, uh, between Israel and Judah and coming to Judah in the hope of a better life. It reminds me of the massive number of refugees who recently fled Africa and Syria to find a better life in Europe. They said that there was about a million people during that exodus leaving uh, Africa and Syria, uh, moving, lots of them ended up in Germany, didn't they? Now, one of the biggest problems for the Europeans in that, that migration, in that refugee migration, the big, one of the biggest problems for the universe, uh, Europeans was that the majority of those refugees who moved uh, from Syria or Africa uh, to Europe are uh, they Muslims, and they have taken their religion with them to their new country, and this is what has caused terrible problems in Germany or Hungary and other places, where there was just perhaps a minority of Muslims. Now there seems to be a huge number of. People who have a completely different religion to the Europeans. Well, in a similar way, we could safely assume that the Israelites who crossed the border into Judah from these three uh, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, we could safely assume that those people who had come to Judah in abundance, they had worshipped or were worshippers of Jer- Jeroboam's idols, those calf gods, or they were worshipped the Canaanite gods, Baal and Ashtaroth. These people came with their pagan religions they, in abundance into Judah. Five years had elapsed. There were these whole groups of people who now come in who worshipped these idols. So with the gaining of the new territory, winning those battles, and the time lapse of five years, and the large refugee intake idolatry had once again raised its ugly head in asa's kingdom and that's why god had to send the prophet to do a work another work but there was even a challenge that was closer to home for asa as we'll soon see asa's own mother the queen mother was a closet idol idol worshiper a bit like rachel when she left her home to go down with her new husband Uh, To Canaan. The Queen Mother worshipped an idol and so this this idolatry wasn't just uh, through the whole of Judah but it was also in Asa's own family. So how would this now great king respond to this national declension that had even touched his own family? We can now understand why the Lord exhorted him to be strong. You're going to have to be strong to deal with this. There was a work to be done uh, to, rid once, to once again rid this kingdom of idols. So would, would Asa seek the Lord like the prophet called him to? Would he seek the Lord and do this work? Or would he resent this unknown prophet? Think about it, he's King Asa, he's, 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 a, he's probably very rich and and people don't get to just sort of turn up and talk to him, all of a sudden this unknown prophet comes and gives him, tells him basically what he already knows. Seek the Lord. If you seek the Lord, he'll, if you, he'll be with you. If you forsake the Lord, he'll forsake you and there's a work to do. How would he take this exhortation? How would he take this prophecy? Would he seek the Lord and do it or, or would he resent this unknown prophet? what would Asa's reaction be? Well, you know, We're going to have to wait to my next message to find out. But I just wanted you to know why there had to be a new work done, why God had to send their prophet. And I'll tell you next time how he went. Don't read on. We'll spoil it. You won't have to come to church. <laughs> but before we leave 2 Chronicles 15, there are a few applications we can learn from Masariah's prophecy because there's some message, it's a message in there for us, isn't there? Firstly, we can see here the potential danger of material success to our spiritual life. I'll say it again, the potential danger of material success to our spiritual life. We can become comfortable. We can have money in our bank and we can have a house and a car and we can have food every day, three days a three times a day. We become uh, materially, materially uh, successful and that can ex- affect our, our spiritual life. Proverbs 18.11 says the rich man's wealth is his strong city and as an high wall is his own conceit. When God blesses us and life becomes comfortable, over time we can begin to start trusting our riches and not to trust the Lord. We might feel we don't need to, to pray so much because we can afford to pay so much. But inherit in this prophet's message is what we found, what we know in that wonderful verse. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, whether you are rich or poor, whether you're comfortable or not, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. We've got to be careful. We live, we're all rich. We are so rich. Uh, we have uh, more than most people or a third, two-thirds of the people in the world. We're so rich and we've got to be careful that our riches... Don't affect our spiritual life in a negative way. The second thing or application we can find in this prophecy is that in every part of life we need to seek the Lord. That's what he told uh, uh, you know, King Asa, what he needed to do was to seek the Lord. And so we need to seek the Lord. And if we do his work, if we do seek him and do his work, he will reward us. Jesus said, but seek ye first, the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek the Lord, answer his call to do the work he wants you to do, and he will meet your needs. But we must be strong to do God's work for him to, re- to reward us. And so let me ask you, is God calling you to do some work for him? If he, if he is, well, seek the Lord first and trust him, and he will lead you and he will reward you. But how will Asa go? How will he respond? We'll find that out next year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for um, the, the way that the Bible speaks to um, our, our own lives. Uh, Lord, it doesn't matter whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, um, whether it's an age that has got bygone, a bygone age, or whether it's our own age. Uh, Lord, these are the same questions of the heart. We can see how... Um, being wealthy, being comfortable, uh, corrupted the lives of even Solomon, the wisest man on the earth. And so we can't trust our own hearts, Lord, to not be corrupted. We thank you for your blessings, but I pray that they won't be the, the worst thing for us. I pray that we would continually trust in you. And Father, I pray that we will seek you first, put you first in everything in our lives, because we know that's the only way to be rewarded by you. Thank you for our time in your word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.